All right, continuing on with the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. You know, these, uh, it's, it's amazing when we realize and understand, I think, a little bit about how God has created us. You know, we, we think about Genesis 1, verse 26, how we were created in the image of God. And, and there's been a lot of uh, messages that have been given on that and kind of fleshing that out. What does it mean to be made and created in the image of God. You know, we're different than these trees, right? We're, we're different than animals and this crow that was sitting up on this tree. Up here. We're different than them, right? We, we were created in the image of God where these other things weren't, right? And so what does that mean? And, and I think part of what that means is that he is instilled in us certain uh, cravings that are godly, that are eternal, that are meant for, uh, that, that he put in us that, you know, strivings and cravings for good, good things. And, and you know, life is probably the biggest one. We all have this amazing craving for life, right? Even though we're born and we know that, you know, you know life expectancy is about 70 or so years, we, we know that death is coming, we do not embrace it. We, we're, not, we're, we're always fighting it. We're like, no way, I'm not giving up, right? You know, we, we want to continue to live, and it's because God has created us with this craving for eternity, craving for life that would last forever. And so uh, what I've realized as we've been going through these Beatitudes is, as I've talked about, they're confrontations. Each one of them have, are, are, are confronting us in some way. And each one is confronting one of these God-given cravings that we have. You know, the first one is success, right? A, a God-giving craving for success, and when we're confronted with failure, we're like, no, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be, and so we are craving for this eternal sense of success. Again, as I mentioned, life. We have this craving for life, and so when we're faced with death, the mourning that comes from that is this reality, this confrontation with the fact that, no, 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 we are made for eternity and we want to live forever. Last week we saw righteousness, right? We were, righteousness is a, a, a craving that God has given us. He's put it in our hearts. It's part of being created in his image. A craving for righteousness, for right things to happen, right? And, and so we saw last week that we we're confronted with sin, depravity of man, and we go, no, this is not right. And this week, we come to beatitude number five, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. An internal craving we have, an internal craving, first of all, I think, for justice, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, we all, especially as Americans, right? Justice is a big deal, right? I, I, how many of us have said this, you know, the phrase, that's not fair, right? Come on, I mean, we, we've all done it, our kids especially, right? Every teenager's done it, right? Multiple times, maybe every day, right? I know, uh, you know, my kids, I, I love my kids. They're amazing and they're all adults now and doing their own thing, which is great as well. But uh, they, uh, my daughter, our middle child, she was our justice queen, right? 
She said that's not fair like multiple times a day. I mean, that was just a phrase that she used all of the time. It was the main, I don't know, might have been the first phrase she ever said, you know, like when she was two years old. That's not fair, right? I don't know. But she was really, she had a hyper sense, sense of justice, right? And, and anytime something happened that she didn't think was right, that's not fair. So much so that she got in trouble so many times simply because she just wouldn't be quiet, all right? But no, that's not fair. But no, that's not. yeah, we know it's not fair. Deal with it. No, but no, that's not fair. That's not fair. And she would just keep like coming at us, right? Just constantly and explaining herself or whatever. So uh, anyway, we all have this. I think this in uh, created desire and craving for justice. And so we are when we are confronted with injustice. We rebel against that. We that has we have a problem with that. That creates a lot of tension for us. We, we don't like injustice, and we want to be able to deal with it in some other way. And certainly, are, are we not seeing plenty of injustice in our world today? I mean, just on a corporate scale, right, we are seeing and hearing the cries for justice everywhere. We see people who have been wrongly accused and wrongly convicted of crimes. We see those who should have been convicted but were acquitted in some way. We see, you know, currently, we see what's going on in the streets, right? Uh, every cop that kills a black man, that's murder, right? I mean, and we see all of it. We're just cries for justice. No way, this is wrong. We can't have this. On the other side, we also see the reality that property is being destroyed by these riots and that's not right either and so we have on the other side people rising up and saying there needs to be justice we need justice this is all wrong but i think those are all kind of outside of ourselves at least mostly these are things that we see kind of uh, with other people's lives most of this has not been super personal especially for us in reading but I think, you know, this cry for justice is probably seen most clearly in the personal things that have happened to us, the injustices that have been done to us, those of us who have maybe been through some kind of abuse by a family member or a friend, and that person was never dealt with, the injustice of that strikes deep into our heart those of us maybe who have been slandered or falsely accused for things that they did, we did not commit. I mean, there's nothing like that that causes us sometimes to rise up and begin to shout and scream and say, no, no, wait a second, this is where you've got it all wrong. Some of us have been treated poorly by others for no reason. Maybe because of our position, maybe because we're ahead of them on the pay scale, or maybe because of our, the color of our skin, or maybe because we're Christians and we believe certain things that they disagree with. All of us have faced injustice at some point in our life, and it creates this tension within us a desire and a wanting to scream and to holler and to fight and to say, hey, wait a second, this is wrong. And that's a good thing because God has created us with this craving for justice. On the other side of this, in a sense, it's not really the other side. I think actually they're kind of on the same side, but they kind of add addition to this, is that we, can, we also have a craving for mercy, 
And the, you know, with the craving for justice, the phrase is, that's not fair. With the craving for mercy, this phrase is, it's not my fault. <laughs> right? And how many of us heard that, right? Oh, it's not my fault. I, I mean, this person did that. They made me do it, right? I mean, well, my friend, they jumped off the bridge, so what am I supposed to do, right? I mean, I, you know, we have all these excuses that begin to come out, right? And, and the clamoring and the striving in order to find mercy because, wait a second, I'm not at fault for all of this. I mean, I know I did a little bit, but, I, but you have to understand the circumstances behind it in order to understand that I don't deserve the full punishment. You see, we all struggle and recognize this battle that's within us that I mentioned last week, but is in, uh, in Romans chapter 7. Where Paul, you know, talks about this, this reality that there's, you know, this sinful nature. And he does the things that he doesn't want to do. He wants to do right things, but he's got this sinful nature inside of him that keeps causing him to do the wrong things, right? And so we all have that struggle, and that's why we, we have that craving for mercy. Because we recognize, we don't quite understand how it works, but some reason, I do dumb things. I make bad choices. And it's not that I don't recognize the bad choice, it's that I recognize that there's a battle within, and I, and I really didn't want to do it. I actually, I regretted it the moment I did it, or even the moment I was doing it. So we have this craving for mercy, a longing for forgiveness, a longing for redemption. And we see in this beatitude another, another confrontation, because it's not just a confrontation with injustice, it's also a confrontation with justice, with getting exactly what we deserve. See, we, we fight against that as well. We recognize that there's something not right in that. Cold, hard, blind justice, right? We, we, we struggle with that. We, on a corporate scale, one of the areas, that I, a couple of areas that I see that, you know, we've got very cold, hard justice and no mercy, and that is in the areas of sexual crimes, and in the area of drug crimes, right? I mean, you don't get a lot of break, right? I mean, if you commit one of those crimes, even if it's a slow-scale crime, you're in jail for a long time. It's falling. You know, think about sexual predators. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Don't get me wrong, okay? I'm just saying that this is a reality. We don't have a lot of mercy in our legal system right now for sexual crimes. If you are a sexual predator or deemed a sexual predator, that is following you the rest of your life. It doesn't matter if you're 16. doesn't matter if you're 20. doesn't matter. For the rest of your life, you have that label. And so some of us see that, or even the perpetrators of that, who recognize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, or I didn't know what I was doing, or I didn't mean to do that, I just, I don't know. But they, but they have no recourse of mercy. But they're crying out for it. But again, where this becomes very personal is in our own lives, where we've experienced this in our own, in our own realities, where we have had friends that we've lost due to, you know, just one little misspoken word or maybe an action that we did that we were like, ah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that at that moment, but I did, and I'm sorry. But, but they've just rejected us. It, it, was the, it was either the last straw or the first one. We don't know, but it, they, they have totally separated. We've lost friends because of that. Or we have family members who we can no longer have any kind of conversation with because of the cold, hard justice of the fact that they are unwilling to engage in that relationship anymore. They're unwilling to give forgiveness. They're unwilling to allow us to re be stored in that relationship. 
And then if we even take it a little bit more personal, the times when we've done that with others. How many friends have we shut the door on? How many family members are we unwilling to forgive because of what they've done? Unwilling to re-engage in relationship, unwilling to move past it, to give them any kind of mercy. When we're confronted with injustice, and when we're confronted with justice, these two sides, there's some typical responses that we have, and two that I want to highlight this morning. The first one is anger, right? Anger and hatred and bitterness, right? When we face injustice, we rise up, we get angry with that, we're, we're not happy with that at all, we're, we're fighting that, we're, we're getting, we, we, we want to attack the person, we, want, we don't have good thoughts about that person, we're going to separate ourselves from that person, we're going to remain bitter, there's like no way, it's like when we have been offended, when we have been treated poorly, when we've been treated unjustly, we tend to become hardline justice seekers, right? Cold, hard, blind justice, no, you were wrong and you're going to pay the price. The other potential, and oftentimes, and this we're seeing this on a grander scale right now, the other response when we're faced with injustice or justice is activism, vigilantism, where we begin to take the law into our own hands and say, no, 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 this is wrong, it's so wrong, and no one's doing anything about it, so I'm stepping in. I'm going to be going after these people. I'm going to go after the sexual predators who are out there because they are so evil. They are so bad that we need to make sure that they get no mercy. They are taken and they get the worst part. Of, I mean, this is our perspective, right? We go after the ones who are the criminals, the ones who have hurt us. Again, vigilantism. We begin to use the idea that we can be unjust in order to bring about justice. We can do unjust things because we've been treated unjustly. And so we're going to match the injustice that we've experienced with the injustice of our own. Again, going to our current realities in our world right now, every black man shot by a police person, a policeman is a murderer. And so as a result, we need to it's, you know, it's a systematic uh, racism in our country and we need to burn the whole system down. We need to tear up everything. We need to get rid of the Constitution. We need to get rid of a government. We need to re-identify uh, it, you know, re-create uh, it in a different image. On the other side of this issue, I think, you know, this is one that's near and dear to many Christians, but I think we've gone to a, a vigilante status at times, and that is that every Planned Parenthood member is a murderer. And as a, a result, we need to burn down the system. We need to take down Planned Parenthood. If that means blowing up a Planned, Planned Parenthood building, we will. If that means, you know, doing whatever we can to hurt and destroy, we will. The amazing thing is, is, is America has the greatest form of justice ever experienced by any government made by man. It is the most just system that there's ever been. And yet, we all 
have been confronted with injustice. We've all been confronted by justice without mercy. And we realize there's something wrong. There's something, even though this is the best system that's ever existed, we still get the sense that there's something wrong. And the reality is, is we as human beings are imperfect. We don't know it all. And we make bad choices, even the justice system, because it's run by human beings who are just as susceptible to making the mistakes of those who they're judging. And so what we see is that we need to find another way to respond to injustice. And the way to respond is to surrender justice to God. See, God is the only one who has the ability to be perfectly just. This is the reality of the God that we worship, is that he is just perfectly. He is always just. He's not just partially just. He is always just. He always punishes evil. So often we get this wrong. We think that the wind is going to blow us away, and it is. Oh, my gosh. Um, we get this wrong because we so often think that, G that God just overlooks our sin. That he's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you just believe in Jesus, then I'll overlook your sin and say, oh, it's okay. I just, we'll forget about it. It's not a big deal. It's not true. God punishes every sin, everyone that we've ever created, everyone that we have ever experienced, everything we've ever done. He is going to punish that sin, and it all got dealt with by Jesus. He's the one that took the punishment for our sin. He also, God is the only one who has the ability to judge correctly every time because he knows everything. He knows not only just what we see in the physical world on the outside, he knows what's going on in the inside as well. And because he knows what's going on the inside, he always knows exactly what is the right course of action. He always knows the truth. He always knows what is just. But understand that God is not just just, God is also merciful. He forgives us of our sin. Think about this. Because Jesus willingly came and died, because he took the punishment for our sin, God is able to offer us mercy. He's able to say, yeah, I know you're evil. I know you're sinful. I know you've rebelled against me, and I know you're going to continue to do that, but I am going to give you mercy because I understand what, you are in, what you're dealing with. See, Jesus came and he lived among us. He was tempted like we were tempted, but he was able to resist and be perfect, right? But he knows what it's like. He knows that we have this sinful nature. He knows that we have been chained by sin and that there's nothing we can do but sin our whole lives until we surrender our life to Jesus. And then as we sang about earlier, he breaks those chains. So we have a God who is not only just, but he's also merciful. And the reason that he can be perfectly merciful is because, again, he knows. He knows it all. He knows our hearts. He knows what our true passion and desire is. So even when our actions don't match our heart, 
He knows. All right. So the way, the confrontation we see in this beatitude is the confrontation with injustice and with justice. And when we are confronted by justice and injustice, we have an opportunity. And the opportunity is to surrender our passion and desire for justice to God. To give it up, to say, no, I, you know what, I'm sinful, I can't do this. So I'm going to give it up and trust that God's justice will be met out accurately and rightly and at the right time. Micah 6.8 is a great passage. Some of you probably have this as your uh, life verse. But in short, it says that we should act justly, we should love mercy, and we should walk humbly with our God. When we trust God for justice then we don't have to demand it anymore. You see, the problem is, is that we are the ones who are trying to bring the justice. And again, we're fallible. We don't know everything. But God, if we surrender that justice to God, then we don't have to do it anymore. It's up to God to take care of justice. So the offenses, the, the horrible things that have been done to us, we don't have to try to get justice for those things. We trust that God is going to bring about justice for those things. We trust his judgment. We trust his punishment of that sin. And so when we know that, then we are able to seek justice as well, but to do it with humility, knowing that we don't know everything. And striving to, to live justly, to treat other people well and rightly. And when we make a mistake or offend someone, be ready to apologize and to make amends. But more than that, when we receive mercy, we're able to give mercy. You see, this is the position of a Christian. We know we don't deserve Jesus to die for our sins, yet he did it anyway. We know we don't deserve, even when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we don't deserve life eternal. We don't deserve that he would somehow bless us and give us more things, allow us to have the Holy Spirit live within us, allow us to experience righteousness around us and also through us, allow us to experience the amazing goodness of God in our life and in our hearts, to allow us to experience the fruit of the Spirit, to allow us to, to experience peace in the midst of chaos. When we recognize that all of those things we don't deserve and that we've received them despite the fact that we are sinners and we have rejected and rebelled against God most of our life, when we receive mercy, then we're able to give mercy. That's when we're able to look at the person who has offended us, the person who has treated us poorly, and instead of demanding justice, recognize that, you know what? I didn't deserve mercy either. But if God and Jesus died for me, Jesus died for them as well. Finally, when we recognize our sinfulness, we are more understanding of other people's sinfulness. When we recognize the battle that goes on within ourselves to try to live right, rightly, and we fail all the time over and over again, 
then we realize, oh, yeah, maybe other people are going through that same struggle. The, the, the phrase, but for the grace of God, go I, is a, is, a, is a great statement that we all need to learn and learn to live as well. Because when we recognize the struggle for our own sinfulness, we recognize that no matter how evil the person is across from us, no matter what they've done, that we have that same capability within us. That but for the grace of God, we could be in their very shoes. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Concluding thoughts. Again, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructs us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sinned against us. Mixed up a couple of versions there, but that's all right. For if you do not forgive the one who has sinned against you, then your Father who is in heaven will not forgive you. This is the calling that we're called to by Jesus. To recognize that the opportunity for our own mercy to be received from God is directly impacted by our own ability to be merciful to others. To surrender justice. It's not ours. We don't have to make it happen. It's God's. He's the only one that can make it perfectly happen. So we strive to live justly as we can, but we also love mercy. Walking humbly, knowing that for the grace, but for the grace of God, we would be in the same spot. So this morning, I just asked these questions. Have you been confronted by justice or injustice? And if you have, how are you responding? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you holding that grudge still to this day, maybe 20 years later, 30 years later? Have you become an activist? You're going to bring about justice on your own. You can do it your own way. Or have you surrendered? Surrendered justice to God. Allow him to take care of that business. Show mercy to others. To recognize that but for the grace of God go I. And then the final question. Who do you know who's being confronted by, mer by justice right now or injustice? And they need to give it up. They need to surrender it to Jesus because it's tearing them apart. You know, this is a reality in our world, right? So many of us get torn apart by bitterness because we have been unwilling to forgive. We've been unwilling to show mercy. We continue our striving for our own justice, but there's others outside of the church, outside of the world that don't know Jesus, and they've never been confronted with this message. They've never recognized, oh, wait a second, no, God's the one who brings justice. So who do you know 
that is being confronted by injustice in their life, and they're continuing to fight the battle, trying to bring it about on their own, that need to surrender it so that they can actually be free from their own sin and their own desires and their cravings for justice, allow them to experience true justice by knowing the one who is just. Whoever that is, you need to reach out to them. You need to tell them about Jesus. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for your goodness to us. And Lord, just so impressed with your amazing grace. Lord, I, I've been confronted with my own sin enough to know the evil that lies within me. The, the tendency that I have to be selfish, to want things my way and to demand others to serve me and tendency to use people to ignore you to seek my own justice Lord it's amazing the temptation that it is when I've been offended when I've been hurt to lash out to seek to bring justice right away right in the moment Lord I thank you that you have recognized that sin in me and that Jesus came and willingly died. Even though I was rebellious, even though I'm gonna continue to be rebellious, even though I'm continue to be selfish and do things my own way, you showed me mercy. Lord, in a time where emotions are high and tensions are high, in our community and in our world. In a time when maybe our own personal relationships with friends or family are tense because of all the chaos that's been going on, it's just been heightened. We need more than ever, first of all, your justice and to trust in your justice. And second of all, your mercy that it would flow through us, that we would be merciful to others. Lord, help us to surrender our craving for justice to you, to recognize that it's only in knowing you and trusting you that we will ever experience any kind of real justice fully met out in you and in the eternal kingdom. It's a little bit long, but I want to read chapter Romans 12, the whole chapter. And the reason I do this reading of a passage at the end, just so you guys know, is maybe you do know this, but I want the last thing that you guys hear not to be my voice, but God's voice. And it's not that God can't speak through my, my voice and my words, but, and he does, and I thank him for that. But I, I want you guys to hear what we know is his word. And so hear the word of the Lord, Romans chapter 12, 1 through the end of the chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given me, 
I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, in the one, in the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless. Have a great day.